It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside the Birds is back. What's going on, everyone? Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan here. Uh, Adam, OTAs are back, and uh, obviously there's a lot to discuss. We're going to get into the new look Carson Wentz. We'll talk about some rookie ups and rookie downs. We'll look at some of the newcomers, how they're adapting to their new surroundings. You know, a lot of free agent signings. And, of course, we're going to answer a lot of questions today for the Ask ITB segment that has become a very popular part of of the podcast. Uh, before we really start off, though, I just want to say, uh, you and I, we, we extend our, our well wishes, uh, our best wishes, our prayers, everything that we have to Nick Foles and his family. Clearly, they're going through something. Um, you know, it's been kept uh, quiet. So, whatever it is, we wish the best for Nick Foles. He's a tremendous, forget the football player, tremendous human being, A plus human being. And I know your, your thoughts are with him as well. Absolutely. Great guy, good family man. Good family background, does everything the right way, and we, we certainly wish him very well. And the Jaguars, uh, you know, they they uh, they're you know they're they've made it very clear they're going to support Nick and whatever it is that he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Doug Moran, the head coach, said, he sends uh, you know we he he suggested everyone uh, wish Nick well, and we were doing that. Yeah, we we do wish Nick the best. Um, moving on from Nick and going to the. The main man here in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz. I think it was a huge week, not necessarily for Carson, but for the fan base to just kind of like <laughs> take a big, deep breath, know that Carson got on the field. They were they were very inexplicably covert about when he was going to get on the field or not, and then there he was getting on the field for the start of OTAs. The, the one thing that I think, Adam, that really sticks out is Carson talked about a new diet, um, losing weight, trying to make sure that he keeps his body, which has been banged up every year he's been in the league, and he's a young kid, just trying to make it right for the NFL. And it looked different to me. I mean, you look at him, and it looks a little bit more lithe, if I could say that. Did it stand out to you, just watching him out there on the practice? Yeah, so we we, we get only a certain amount of time the media does to be in front of the players or watch practice. And we've had, at the time we were taping this, we've 
had two. We're only going to get two of the first two weeks. And the following week, we get some, and then we get all the mandatory campus completely open to us, which is great. He looked thinner. I think his playing weight had been around 240, six foot five, 240. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he weighs. He looked about, he looked in the 220s, high 220s. He just, his legs, like if you see them, they're not as thick. Correct. And we'll get into body tips. It's one of the things I look for because you can't overjudge anything. It's it's just it's just football and shorts. But body types, I'm big on, and on, uh, we'll talk about some of the stuff that I saw. Uh, one that I did not know was coming, and I was I was kind of laughing standing next to someone who works for the Eagles. I'm like, did you guys feed him like 50 milkshakes as an offensive lineman? I'm like, what the hell are you feeding these guys here? Ooh, we're just laughing. The yeah. Joel Embiid diet. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah. So we'll get to that. But Carson looked good from a physical standpoint. We'll get from just. He's thinner. Two twenty seems two twenty right. like two twenty eight, two twenty five. If it was any lower than two twenty, well, Jeff, yeah. I remember Joe Flacco telling me his rookie season he was two twenty eight. Right, and he's about six foot six, six, six seven, six six and a quarter. Yeah, he thought he was too light, so he got up to two forty five. Mm-hmm. So his playing weight's between two forty and two fifty. That's what I think. As he gets older, Carson does. He'll figure out what the right weight is. But his what he said was in his little media get, get together. He wanted to feel stronger. He wanted to feel better. Feeling stronger does not mean, mean you put on weight. You could become a vegetarian like me. Well, you find a way to build your body up right. by weightlifting, by nutrition, mm-hmm. um, getting better rest, flexibility, getting flexibility. Right. That yeah. when you become a vegetarian, I have zero inflammation. I li- when I travel uh, long distances, when I go to Seattle, it's a six-hour flight. I get right off where other people are like, "Oh God, I'm so yeah, sore." Creaky knees and everything. I don't. I don't get that yeah. because I don't eat meat. So. And I digest, I don't have a lot of milk. So Carson looks good uh, from that standpoint. Uh, didn't know when I saw him last week. I love that he was not wearing the brace. Mm-hmm. And he's not. And the other thing is, also I should mention this as we get through these the roster here at quarterback, Clayton Thorson, who tore his ACL late in 17, he was not wearing a brace, and boy, did he look good. And that's good. That's a, You're about a year and a half from the injury. He played all year for Northwestern last year with the brace on. And I always think it's kind of, you talk about that, collective sigh of relief for the fans. I think for a quarterback, that's a big step when you get rid of that knee brace and you feel like yourself again. In fact, I think with Clayton Thorson, I don't want to, I don't know if the best is yet to come is, is the right term, but clearly this kid might have been ranked higher, rated or drafted higher if he had not tore his ACL going into the year. I mean, they had to no have question. him on a pitch count. No question. He could be one of those kids who winds up being a little bit better than you think just because now you're getting him a year removed from that surgery and you're getting the the, the more accurate version of what he's what he is. Jeff, I'd said on our post-draft podcast, and you could find it on the radio.com or WIP website, and I said that had he not suffered the torn ACL, he could have gone as high as the third, mm-hmm. but we'll never know because his senior year was not that good. Right. Had he not... Suffered that injury in the bowl game. Uh, it was right, right before the 17 ended. I mean, you're looking at a guy that Eagles probably wouldn't have drafted because they wouldn't. They were not going to spend a third round pick on a quarterback. Sure, but they got a break. He's big. He's got a strong arm. I'm going to give you one play. He threw. A, he threw a post route about 50 yards in the air. And Braxton Miller, who's not that fast, he does not. He's not a straight line speed guy. He's a tall slot receiver. Right. He just couldn't get it. The, yeah. the pass was. He threw it with what we called anticipation. He threw it out there where only the receiver could get it. 
and the kid couldn't get it. But um, that's the beauty, by the way, of yeah. OTAs. You see things that you know you will not see normally during the regular exactly. season. Exactly. They'll never. They'll never. Right. They're not. It's, gonna not, play. it's not necessarily right. the Thorson part of that. It's the idea that Braxton Miller is going to be fifty yards downfield right. when he's pretty much a middle of the field slot guy. Plus, but, he you know. won't be on the roster. Most well, that, likely, that's so. a good point yeah. too. Although yeah. I had him as a sleeper, you never know. You never know. But uh, clearly, not catching up to a fifty-yard bomb isn't going to help him. Lou Riddick over the weekend. I don't know if you saw it. Your former colleague yeah. at ESPN. He probably reignited. Uh, a Wentz flame in Philadelphia with a tweet that, and listen, it's just a tweet. It's just a prediction. But when it comes from a guy like Lou Riddick, it, it tends to carry a little more weight. And it said something to the effect of, I expect Carson Wentz to be the front runner for MVP this year. So, and now he didn't just decide to wake up that day. Maybe he was at OTAs. I have no idea, but I'm sure he talks to some people in the organization, but he must get the sense based on his conversations that the team is really happy with how Carson has looked now with the, the the weight loss and just getting ready for this year and what they expect from him. Yeah, so if you're looking at Twitter, <laughs> the uh, I would say Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening, a lot of reporters were just gushing over Carson. So I was there, and I, I'm going to put it to you this way. I have the same feeling I have about Wentz now that I did in the June camp of 17. So let me go back to the 17 June camp. The yeah, first so this one. This is after his rookie year. Yes. Right. It was May. He did not look as good because they adjusted his mechanics. The quarterback coach, right. Filippo made it an adjustment and he didn't take to it yet. So we got we got access to Carson in practice in that June, first June camp. There were two of them. Mm-hmm. It was the one for the non-mandatory one. And I'm like, oh my God. OMG. Oh my God. I'm like, wow. Okay. I saw three practices. This is really special. Mm-hmm. So... Jeff, as you know, when we'll describe, we'll give the visual. When you come off the field, there's a media entrance and there's a player coach entrance. We're not supposed to go in the player coach entrance. I've done it before, but of course they've told me not to do that again. So I went into the media entrance. Such a rule breaker. I know. <laughs> to the right, the left is the coaches. To the right is the media. And I'm about to walk. I'm walking in because right before you go to the locker room, and I see someone from the Eagles front office. I'm like, I said to him, "Huh? How about number 11?" And he goes. He go, it gives me the thumbs up and he gives me a wink. And he go, he acknowledged that what I'm seeing is what he's seeing. Uh-huh. The old nonverbal communication. And I was like, this is, let's just see what happens to the next camp. And in the, 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 the um, June mandatory camp, there were all the reporters were writing about it. And he became for fantasy, and we don't talk about fantasy much on here. He was my breakout player of the year. Mm-hmm. And you think of it, let's fast forward it to now. Now, he was incredible, and we'll get to that practice in a second. If you look at all the passing targets that they have now, Aguilar, Slot, Deshaun, they've never had a deep threat since Carson's been here, a true one. Matt Collins, you could say that, but he barely played, and Mike Wallace broke his yeah, leg. I think so. Corey Smith is probably the best example, and he wasn't a very he would good be, pass right. catcher. Okay, I'm sorry, he would be, but he just didn't. He doesn't command the football like Deshaun does. Correct. Alshon Jeffrey, Arcega Whiteside, we'll see what his role is. Matt Collins, if he ever gets healthy. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. You're six or seven pass targets deep. Carson's never had this. Mm-hmm. Now, the offensive line's in question just because of Peter's age. We know how we go in and out of games. But as someone with the Eagles said to me, don't forget Jason had been rehabbing his ACL the previous year. So maybe now that he's back, he's not overcompensating for the knee and he injures the quad or the hamstring, so maybe he won't have to leave games. Right. But Brandon Brooks has come back from the 20 Achilles. I know that Brandon posted his rehab and he's running now. Great. He posted on Twitter. You can follow him there. That's great. We'll see what happens. But they have some. Qu- there are a couple questions there. But the good thing is, as we said in the last podcast, Jeff, mm-hmm. they signed. We signed Wisniewski. We'll see when Andre Dillard's ready. I don't know that. I mean, he's just back. 
Vitae, by the way, is still at, at guard. He's at right guard. Uh, my sense is he's going to stay there because they know what he could do at, at tackle. I, I don't see him moving unless he has to, unless Dillard's not ready or they suffer an injury with one of these developmental players. I think he'll stay at guard. Yeah. Getting back to Carson, I think what people forget is that, and there's listen, there's no doubt there were things that he struggled to do last year, and he obviously had the back injury and coming off the knee injury. But I don't think it's so outlandish to think that this guy can go back to playing at an MVP level because if you look at last year, as difficult as it was for him, and when he got hurt, he was 5-6, and six, and everybody wants to fixate on the, the losing record, but... This is a guy who last year improved his completion percentage by almost 10 points. It went from 60 to 69.6, right? His passer rating went from 101.9 in 2017, his great year, to 102.2. So by that metric, he had a better year last year than the year before. Now, you and I both know there were some issues that he, he certainly showed last year that he didn't have the year before, and a lot of that also had to do with the offense, the lack of a speed threat, the things around him, the new coaching. There, there's a whole lot that goes into he, it, but he, he, he wasn't was a terrible quarterback at all. And in fact, in many ways, he was an improved quarterback from the year before. Yeah, he was conservative. I thought last year he... It's funny. I, I thought... I'm not, I wouldn't call him so much checkdowns. I just didn't think he... Challenge as much. I know the per pass attempt was up by point two. That's really not. It was not. It. It was an intermediate passing game last year. It was, it was. They didn't challenge downfield. Correct. Um, I I just felt, and I know as you said, almost ten percent completion rate, and that's that's good. Certainly, you're going to take that. That's a positive. Yeah, sixty to sixty nine is good. But man, he missed some throws last oh, year. Yeah, definitely, you missed know throws. that. You watched the sure. tape. He was not. You mentioned in passing. He he was playing with a cumbersome brace on his left knee. There there was. There's no question he was not the same quarterback. Don't let the numbers fool you, folks. It's all about the tape. He was not the same quarterback. And and when you look at Jeff, the touchdown rate, I mean, you're, you're, he was thrown for two and a half touchdowns per game on average. Mm-hmm. He was just under two um, per game last season. The He had such a feel for the pocket in the passing game two years ago. So let's fast forward to this practice. on, on, uh, on We're taping this Wednesday, so uh, Tuesday. Right. So the big part is yeah. that we're we're looking to see how it works now that he has that speed threat, Deshaun. Deshaun's S- here. Speaking of that, yes, that's where I want to get into. Good transition by you. That's called a transition of radio and broadcasting. So it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> there were in the first half of practice, they were completing a lot of passes to Deshaun, but they weren't really challenging anything. That was in seven on seven. Mm-hmm. Once they got to eleven on eleven, or and they were upper, or they would take the ball at say the forty of the defense in seven on seven. Then they started challenging him, and then there was a 35-yard post to Jackson. There's one of these, well, okay, he's going to throw it. Why is he throwing? Because he's not open. He threw it over the defender's hand, Mm. and unfortunately, we can't, we don't have tape of it, but I can only describe it to you. It was one of these, and I, I was standing next to one of the PR guys. And the guy goes, "Did you see?" That? I said, "I caught, I caught the second <laughs> half of it. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. Yeah. I'm like, this is this is crazy." So the pass that's on the Eagles' Twitter. Let me fast forward to that uh-huh. to Ertz. What you can't see is the beginning of the play when he avoided the, the pass rusher, the left defensive end, and he stepped up, and then Ertz got separation, and he threw it with anticipation to the sideline where Zach has got to go get it. Yeah, and he got it. You could see him running into the picture into your face. Uh, there were, and I said on Twitter, and it got a lot of likes. There were so many passes like that in practice, Jeff, where 
either throw it the, through the guy open with anticipation or throw it right on the guy. And we're all set. You see it on Twitter. All the reporters that were there were like, "This is this." So is, it sounds like you have that feeling too. I have the that same exact you got feeling. That feeling from two years ago. That Jeff, this is he, headed for, as I said a couple minutes ago, he uh-huh. is exactly where he was two years ago. You know what the difference is? He's smarter. He knows now to protect himself and thinner. Yes, he's in better physical shape. And the available passing targets. And by the way, Jeffrey's not there right now. I, I don't know if he's taking time off. He doesn't have to be there. When everyone's there in, in the summer, and we're going to get to. Dallas Goddard, because I got to talk about him. Mm-hmm. This group of passing targets is by far the best that Doug Peterson's had to work oh, with as a play it, caller. It, it has to be. We are going to get to that. Um, before we we do move on to those guys, I want to talk a little bit about the rookies, and yeah. it's going to be difficult for to make any kind of judgments on Andre Dillard. He's just starting in there. The offensive linemen are limited. Yeah. in these non-contact practices, the one thing that I heard from scouts that they questioned, or they all loved him, but they they said he would probably need to get a little bit bigger and stronger. In, at the pro level and really get into that run blocking and show that nastiness. Well, we're not going to see a whole lot of run blocking you know, in non-contact camps anyway, but I think that we both, you both, you would agree that you look at him and you could say, yeah, there's room to add some muscle there and, and, and become a bigger, and he's got a year to do that. Yeah, I, I would say this. He needs to get stronger physically, and the, the one challenge that he's going to have is just like a quarterback not playing from under center. Well, as an offensive lineman, there are very few snaps that he took under center. He may not have taken any. I don't. I don't. Maybe the people watch his college tape could point out. Maybe he took a dozen or so plays mm-hmm. from, under, from. I mean, being a three point stance for the quarterback being you know under center. I mean that does mean something. If you're gonna pass it all the time, the Eagles will run the football. We know that. Now right. they're going to be in shotgun qu- quite a bit, but he's got to show that he could be a run blocker at this level because they will run the football. They're not. They're not one of these passing offenses that. Kind of like Chicago, where the quarterback oh, Seattle last year, they're not going to hit you with you know a right, gap, but they're going to be a mixture scheme. of it, right? right. They're, they're they're they actually after Doug's quick start run, passing all the time, they become more of a balanced offense, and mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with the lead, But he believes in both, so I, it's something we'll, we'll we'll track. Yeah, but um, I'm not worried about him, and I would tell you from a physical standpoint, I I, I I'm like who is 68? I've never seen this guy before. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was Jordan Mailata because he was so big. Mm. His legs are tree trunks. I, I don't know how much weight he put on. Again, I don't. I'm not. I don't know what these guys weigh, but he looks so much bigger physically. He's going to be fun to watch this. Training oh my camp, god! Especially because I, I know they got him at tackle now, right? right? Tackle. Were, yeah. Right there was tackle. a play. Uh, that I guess it was a sweep, and yes. he's out there leading the front with all That's that the athleticism. The two of them. And, yeah. and they got to tell him, like, dude, you're not allowed to like flatten guys. And he, he did. He pushed a guy. You know, you're not supposed to. He didn't. He he's still hit. learning. He used his. He might have put his right hand on the guy's back, but he stoned uh, Brandon Graham. Right. And I know how I, you and I know how they feel about him. Mm-hmm. It is going to be fascinating to see if, A, he could dress on game day. Because if he can, and it's, God forbid somebody gets hurt, then that means he's one step away from playing. They're on to something, folks. They're, they're, and now is, he has now a, a year of experience. He's not guessing now. Because I know talking to the Eagles about him, he didn't know what he was doing in the May camp last year. Sure. How, last how, year. How could right. he? Yeah, he didn't know football yet. Yeah. A little bit better in June. Didn't really know about him. Training camp, major strides, big like they've yeah. never seen before. And tra- in preseason, as all of our listeners know, because they're diehard Eagle fans, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. No, hey, so this is the position you want to have depth at. Yes, so that yes. so it'll be interesting to watch him uh, when the contact is allowed. Uh, you mentioned about the run blocking and just the running game in general, and I it's disappointing to see Miles Sanders. Now, look, you get injured, you can't control it. He's got a hamstring injury. 
must have happened during the rookie camp, you would think. He hasn't been a part of the OTAs yet. Mentally, he is. He's there. Mentally, just mental uh, yeah, I'm sorry. But he's, he's not, not on the field, out though. on the practice field. I Practicing. think it's, yeah. a, it's an ominous beginning for a rookie because these guys need as much, especially running backs, because it ain't like playing the offensive line or it's not like playing D-line. You have to learn a whole lot more verbiage. You have to do things that you've done before, never done before, pass protection, catching the ball at, in certain routes, the route tree, everything, blitz pickup. And to not be out there hurts. And now you have to play catch-up. Yeah, he didn't practice last week. He's not practicing yet. Um, He's missing valuable reps just from a mental standpoint because Jeff just outlined exactly what he is to learn. You have to know what the checks are. Um, He's going to be using the pass game, as I understand it. They really want to get him involved in that. They think he's really good at it. And and by the way, Corey Clement's not working. Right. Great opportunity for Josh Adams, who came back from shoulder surgery. That is the biggest story. That's how you know when you know you're on the bubble and you got to do everything you can. I'm like, who's this skinny dude, tall, skinny running back? I'm like, wait a minute, is that Josh Adams? Yeah. So I want to make sure it was 33, not some guy I'd never heard of. And they only have, I think, um, if you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven running backs on the roster who aren't practicing. So it was kind of obvious because Boston Scott's built like a spark plug. Right. You know what Donald Pumphrey looks like, and you know what Smallwood 28 looks like. Mm -hmm. That's him. Now he looked thin. See, I don't know if he, because of his shoulder injury, I don't know if he could lift weights, but he he took a rep in something. Right. I've always felt he yeah. looked kind of tall and spindly for a Angular, running back. Yeah. He has yeah. a very awkward build, but he does have a great downhill momentum type of run. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, I think, uh, I think you know, the kid's a good kid. You get to know him. He's a good kid. Oh, yeah. He's a smart kid. I think he would have done everything he could have done to get out on the field anyway. But when you're... A guy like him, or when you're a guy, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, like Sidney Jones, and your early career going back to college has been pocked by injuries, you know that you're already got a strike against you. And Josh came here with an injury. He didn't even participate in OTAs last year. Then he got hurt at the end of the season, and now he had a shoulder surgery. And then he looks at the depth chart, and he sees Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders and Corey Clement and all these other guys he's competing with. He's not guaranteed anything. So it's good to see him get out there and be ready to compete. You know what's unbelievable with the Eagles snap counts at running back last year? None of them, none of them um, had more than 30% of the snaps. Do you know who led them in snaps last season? I think Wendell Smallwood. You got it, 30%. Yeah. Crazy. And Josh Adams led them in rushing? I think uh, it might have been. I mean, yeah, it might have been. But it's amazing. That's who would have thought that going into the that's year? Smallwood and Josh happen, Adams, right? That's why they addressed it. What do you, th- what do you think of our, our Sega Whiteside? Our Chega Whiteside? Whatever um, you say it, yeah. He made, obviously, I-, I thought there was a really interesting statement that Mike Rowe made. Okay. And it parlayed out into oh, practice I know where you're going. Go ahead. Because they were asking him about contested catches. And they said the one thing about Ortega Whiteside is that, yeah, he doesn't have the greatest separation speed in the world. We all know that. But he makes a lot of contested co- catches in college. And that tends to translate to the pro level. And then, obviously, you saw it yourself, Oh, Adam. my God. He made, he made a great one. <laughs> All right, so this pass, again, this is another Wentz. He's going to throw it only where they could get, the receiver can get it. It was a, in a red zone drill. I don't remember who the defender was on him. And he was, was covered. Jones. Was it Sidney Jones? Okay. Yeah. Well, who's also tall. Yes. Arcega Whiteside is 6'2". Right. And he's a you know, former basketball player. And he was covered. He was like, glow. And I'm like, we're, okay, well, this is not going to be caught. So he didn't. He went on a 90. He was covered. He torqued his body at a 90 degree angle. I could see it as I'm looking at you. And he went up and got it. He snatched it and got his feet in the air. I'm like, what did we just see? And I was hoping the Eagles Twitter got it. But mm-hmm. anyway, they got some good shots. You could see on their, their account. But that's what we were talking about. Because when you, you and I did the post-draft podcast, I said, he's going to help them in the red zone. 
Here we are. That's exactly what he can do. The, you know, Mike Rowe and Doug Peterson, they got to be loving this. Oh, all the weapons. This is crazy. That, that's never, I, I've covered this team since uh, 1999. I've never seen it this good in pass targets. At very least, you would think that Arcega Whiteside could be a good red zone target where you take Deshaun off the field and maybe even Aguilar, and you go two tight ends with Goddard yeah, and Ertz, right, and then you have right. Alshon Jeffrey on one side, Arcega Whiteside on the other, and you have four really good targets of guys who can make catches in traffic yeah. and size and play physically. Yeah, there's no doubt. Goddard, Ertz, Jeffrey, Arcega Whiteside, there's there's your four. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite frankly, Richard Rodgers can do it. Uh, Josh Perkins can do it because he had to. And Will Ty, who once in a while for the Giants, <laughs> he had like, I don't know, like... He'd, he probably had at least 50 catches for them. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So they're in, they're in real good shape on offense, that's for sure. So let's talk about Dallas Goddard, because you and I have probably talked about it more than anybody going back to the end of last year. The need for this team, this coaching staff, this offensive philosophy to be centered on a two-tight end offense to get Dallas Goddard on the field more. Now, when we say that, it's not we talk about Doug Peterson liking three wides, but last year I think he played – more too tight end than anybody in the league. So he yeah, clearly does do it. Correct. But you look at the talent and you wonder, should this be the the, the 60 to 70% of your offense instead of the 40 to 50%? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Is there, right. This kid's right. talented, Adam. Oh, he's a beast. He's, uh, I call him, um, I, have a couple, I have a couple names for him. The Incredible Hulk is one of them. You can't really cover them. And there was a, they, it's funny, they ran the same play in prayer, very similar to the, remember the play that called back at a phantom call when, Goddard had, would have scored against Dallas. Mm-hmm. They ran one up the seam with him. Like, they, I know they can't hit him, but what it was is because Wentz led him and he caught it. Uh-huh. He's too big. You can't. It's like when you try to cover Gronk, who's maybe an inch taller than Goddard, he's so long right. that he's just going to box you out like a basketball player. So, yeah, uh, last year, because Richard Rodgers got hurt with the knee surgery, um, Goddard, as the second half grew, he, play, he went up actually playing almost half the snaps for the season. He ran sure. up having 48% of the snaps. Well, he had like 33 ca- – I, I looked. His numbers uh, compared to Zach Ertz's are extraordinarily similar. Uh, well, Zach Ertz's rookie year, right, I right. say. Yeah. Right, right. Something like 35 catches, 350 yards. I think Ertz had eight touchdowns. This kid had four. That's just opportunity. His, 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 his snap percentage to – Target conversion rate is actually pretty good, mm-hmm. and it's only going to grow. So that what's going to happen is, let, let's say he plays sixty percent of the snaps. What's going to happen is it's going to be in certain areas where he's going to play more red zone, obviously because of his size. He then he could actually be the primary backup for Ertz, where you weren't really sure because Perkins was playing. Perkins also playing wide receiver because they were they, they were hurting there. Richard Rodgers got hurt, so he had to play. There's a variety of ways. Ways they want to use him, and the big one is catching the football. They, they know it they, internally. Yeah. They know that, that they kind of know what they're looking at now. Yeah, he is going to be the man in certain areas, and he's a very special talent. This is one I think they're going to get right. And I know, as you and I talked about last year, there was a team that absolutely was going to draft in the first round ahead of the Eagles. But what happened was the um, he was number two on their list, and I guarantee in the second that, round, right? Because he was a second round, player. right? But they would have drafted in the first oh, this either, team, yeah. I guarantee they regret the guy that they're going to wind up regretting the player that they drafted that team because this kid is going to be a beast. Well, I think, uh, and we'll have the, the, it'll be really interesting to see how much 12 personnel Doug uses and what kind of season Dallas Goddard has. Because but how he uses them, though, Jeff? Catching the football. Yeah, yeah. No, That's well, what no, I want to say. If he's on the field, he should you know, be catching the You know, it's one thing ball, to yeah. use 12 personnel 
more than any other team. But if you're not throwing it to, to Goddard, then he's just a blocking tight end. They did not draft him to be a blocking tight end. They wanted him to be an all-around tight end. Correct, but I think that gives them the flexibility to play him in line and then play action and then Everything. have him release. Yes, you know, then I you get five, yes. five outlets. Yes. At this time next year, if he has a great year, we may have to figure out, we may have a discussion about well, what do they do? They got two really good tight ends. Oh, do they keep paying Ertz? Ertz. Right, uh, right. Well, that's a great problem to have. It's first world tight end problem, absolutely. It's New England Patriot type problem there, so that would be a good thing. All right, um, a big part of the defense. Let's let's focus on three people. Sidney Jones won, right? He came back. He's right now playing inside-outside, but I I don't think people can can put much into that because you've got no Ronald Darby, you've got no Jalen Mills, so you really have to mix and match your pieces. I I don't think this kid's going to be a slot corner, but they talked, again, Jim Schwartz said he thought he did some good things last year from the inside. To me, he's an outside corner. Here's my, okay, so here's my thought on it. Uh Jalen Mills not practicing, Darby not practicing. They had Douglas and, and Avante, Maddox. Avante Maddox on the outside. They also played Maddox at safety. They, they were... They were doing everything. Right, which is what you do at yeah. OTAs. You, you're moving guys around, that's why I don't make any hard statements. Mm-hmm. You know, they were actually light. They were actually very light at corner because of those injuries. Uh, and then, you know, LeBlanc also, who we had on Sirius. Uh, what a great story. One of these days we need to talk about him. Yeah. He did. He um, He's their backup slot. I don't think Jones is fast enough in a short area. The, the slot corner, the reason why teams like Smaller slots because they move faster in a small area. Correct. That's a that's a that is a compact position. You need to get in and out very quickly, and it's a nuanced position. Right. And they teach you in scouting. Um, don't tell me what a player can't do. Tell me what a player can do. So to me, it's not even it's it's about what you're saying, but it's more about what does he do best. He is a physical, fast, when healthy, cornerback who can ride that highway or at least did in college, with elite wide receivers and make it difficult for them to catch the ball down vertically, which is what teams are trying to do. I just feel like that's where we have to see him play, and I think we will. I think you'll see it in training camp more to get a real evaluation of whether or not he can stay healthy and be that corner that everybody thought he was going to be two years ago when he was a top 15 They projection. didn't draft him to play. No team saw him as a slot. Now it's yeah, nice he draft a second-round corner to play him in the slot. It's nice that he can do it, Jeff. Uh-huh. But to me, and I know we got this question on Twitter more than, a, more than once over the last couple weeks, I strongly believe that in the end, it's going to be Jones and Darby. Now, I don't know if it's going to be September or October, we don't know about Darby yet. He's just taking mental reps. I heard his. I've heard from people that his rehab's going well, but mm-hmm. until you get on the field, we don't know. Right. Well, if that is the case, and I think someone asked about it, so we're we're kind of getting into it too. If that's the case, I don't see Jalen Mills being a a backup the entire year. So I, I knowing Howie, I feel like his the wheels will be spinning well, you, in, his, in his head. And you suggested that on our last, I think our last podcast, right. maybe they for, for if, if everybody's healthy, end of camp type deal. Yeah. They're not, and that's exactly one Jeff when you mm-hmm. hope to know about Darby. Yep. And 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 you know, right, by the way, Rodney McLeod's not practicing yet because he can't. Right. Um, they have some questions with injuries coming back. That is really the one issue that they have. Right. Although I would say defensive end going to OTAs, that to me is a real issue. Uh, I'm told Josh Sweat, by the way, looked really good. Uh, not this week because I, I didn't. I wasn't looking for him this week, but mm-hmm. I was told that at least in their early practices, he looked all the way back from his ankle injury, and he made a difference. Like you could see how much faster he is. Right. Which means he may have put lost weight. I've no, I don't know. I just know from talking to people that he looked good. Well, that's good. And uh, Jim Schwartz went out of his way to praise Vinny Curry, saying how good he looked being back. I, I think people are scared to death right now 
of not having Michael Bennett, not having Chris Long, and wondering who's going to step up as the third and fourth defensive ends. And Vinny's going to be the third. It's just really the fourth. And I keep saying this. I'm trying to shout it from the rooftops that you're relying less on your fourth DN because you're not playing three DNs at one time. You're playing two defensive tackles now in the pass rush, and that's Malik Johnson mostly and Fletcher Cox. So it's and you're you have Tim Jernigan. So you're deeper at tackle than you are at end. So it's the more like uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat type thing. But that is also dependent on everyone staying healthy. I, I have a hard time believing though that they won't go to their so-called NASCAR package where they move a DN inside because now the Eagles will tell you they did it out of necessity because. Um, they didn't have an interior pass rush. Yeah, and they, that was a big thing for them. They feel like if Malik Jackson is back to where he was two years ago, this will help Fletcher out. Mm-hmm. And plus, the way it looks now with Journey, talk about a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder. Watch him in a practice. He's got so much more energy. And plus, he was rehabbing last year. He wasn't uh-huh. even practicing last year at this time. But with Ridgeway, with Ridgeway on the roster and Trayvon Hester, they also like, mm-hmm. Fletcher probably does not need to play so many snaps. No. Maybe there are times, especially if this team's as good as we think it's going to be, Jeff. If they're a dominant football team mm-hmm. and they're get they have a big lead in the fourth quarter, well, you know what? You don't have to play them as much. Right. Don't forget Cox also was not aware of this. Cox played the most snaps of any defensive lineman. Yes. Eighty percent of the snaps. So yeah, you don't need to play them as much if you if you're up big. All right. I did some research on Jim Schwartz's last two years with the Lions okay. and his defensive lines. And his last year there, 2014, Fairley was hurt. So he didn't play Nick Fairley with Namakong Su on the inside as much in the pass rush. But what he did was, I, I looked at the percentages. Who's playing there? Do you know? Namakong Su okay. was there. Um, George Johnson, the defensive end. Oh, from Rutgers. Sure. From, uh, from, yeah, Glassboro yeah. kid. And yeah. Ziggy Ansah. But they also had a kid, a guy named, I think, Andre McCoy or CJ McCoy, a defensive tackle. So what I noticed was that McCoy, as the second defensive tackle, and Johnson, as the third defensive end, both played 50% of the snaps. So that, to me, said that Jim had two pass rushing packages. One that had the NASCAR-like, three DNs and a tackle, and another one that had two DNs, two D tackles. And then I went back to 2013, Adam, and I know CJ Mosley is CJ Mosley, I'm yes. sorry, not McCoy, Mosley, yeah. right. I went back to 2013, and if you look at the snap counts there, Nick Fairley was healthy, first-round pick. They put him next to Sue a lot. Both of those guys were the two highest snap percentage guys. So that year, his main pass rush involved Nabakong Sue and Nick Fairley on the inside. So that's two defensive tackles and two defensive ends. So he didn't have a NASCAR package that year. But you also have to look at who you have at defensive end. You know, look we'll, at where your talent was. Right, your talent right, was exactly, right, right. So that's right, why right, you look right, at the Eagles. Right, where's your right best now? Talent? They're going to their pass rush is going to come from primarily, I believe, in the inside. So right, um, that's where it is. Now I still think they could use a veteran DN, mm-hmm. and who knows about Chris Long? He said he's retired. He's not playing because he doesn't want to have a reduced role. Right. You never know, though. You never know when it comes to August. We you shall never see. know. We we'll shall see. see. All right. Well, let's get into our ask the inside the birds. Let's go. Uh, you have a lot of questions. A lot of good questions. Good First one comes from Nick Atkins at Eagles. 52 champs. I keep hearing other podcasts talk about the Eagles moving one of their top six corners. I couldn't disagree more. Thoughts? Well, we just kind of went through that. The Eagles have six corners, all competing for spots, but six cornerbacks don't make a team. Usually you get nine or ten defensive backs, and it's either five five corners or four safeties, or five and five if you keep ten, but I don't know if they're going to keep six corners. Well, okay, here's we didn't talk about Avante Maddox. Where are you going to line him up? We don't know that yet. They're moving him now to both sides, safety and corner. Where are you going to line him up? Probably at nickel corner. 
but we over the, the block. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, with okay. the with the availability to move him to safety. But if you keep four safeties, you're probably keeping Malcolm, Rodney, Sandejo, and Countess. Okay, so they've got five true corners, and and then Maddox could play either. Well, he was drafted as a corner, but now he's right. learned how to play safety. You want to call him a swing? That's fine. I, I'm kind of with Jeff on this. I would trade one of them only until late August, and as Jeff pointed out very well. When it gets to the initial roster cut down to 53, mm-hmm. if if Mills is healthy, if Jones looks it was fine, no issues, and Darby looks good, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really pay. Russell Doug has shown he could play. Right. It doesn't make sense to have Jalen Mills just sitting on so your bench sitting, when he yeah. has value. Now, right, let me put it to you this way. Let's say they're all healthy, right, and you trade Mills. Uh-huh. You've got Jones. You're, you're relying on Jones and Douglas or Dar- now, now Darby... So, so basically, it's got to be Jones and Darby mm-hmm. and, D- and Douglas as your top backup outside corner? Sure. Okay. And then Maddox can, of course, play corner if he needs to. I think I, I'm, I'm for that. I agree yeah. with you. I mean, I've, I, look, you can't keep everybody, and you can you only have a certain number that you're locked into, and mm-hmm. if you have surplus, then you make a deal. I agree. Um, that also parlays into the next question from Neil Dye, at Dye Neil. He's a new listener from Vancouver, by the way. Nice. And he says he loves the content. Do we think Mills gets traded if Jones or Douglas earns a starting job? And I, I say yes, it's a very strong possibility. We'll see. You, and you tend to I would agree. say, well, look, it's not we like they're to, shopping yeah, him now. Lot, he's yeah. coming back from a broken foot. You just have to see where he's at. Right. All right. Uh, DC445, at playing underscore opossum on Twitter, asks... Who are your top five future key players in three years? Like in three years from now, who are we really going to be talking about that we don't talk about as as much this moment? Well, well, you, you, let's, it's hard. Co- let's combine for the five. only way we have to to say who are the top. Goddard's got to be one, right? I would say Goddard will be one. Mm-hmm. Do you believe Derek Barnett will be one? Yes. Okay, Barnett being two, I'm I will cro- go and cross say. Cross my fingers on Andre Dillard. We'll see. He should be. They drafted Andre him to be the guy. One, three. How about Miles? I'm not ready to put Miles Sanders in that yet. Oh, really? I'm not. Why? I'm not. I'm just, and again, people think because I'm a Penn State guy that yeah. I love this guy. I think huh. he's just got a lot to prove. He's only okay. had one really good year in college, and a lot of those games came against you know teams that weren't that good. And then the Ohio State's and Michigan's of the world, he wasn't as successful. So I can't just rubber stamp it. I put more odds on Corey Clement right now being the the, the better <laughs> overall <years>? prospect. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We love Corey, but uh, I mean Miles Sanders is more explosive now. Oh, oh, certainly. I'm not denying. I that. would say I'm this: just... Corey Clement has shown the ability to do everything. Like the good thing is he could be their top w- once in 2020. Mm-hmm. Corey Clement, if it works out well, should be Sanders' backup, and that's got a lot of value to them. Plus, he's a good special teams player, high character guy. Right, he's a very valuable guy to have. All right, so we got three, right? I'm, we're not going to agree on Sanders, yeah. right? So we'll we'll say Dillard, we'll say Goddard, we'll say who was the third that we said that that we're gonna uh, Dillard. We said Dillard. You said Goddard, Goddard. and uh, who else did we say? Sidney Jones, or is he too much to prove? <laughs> not ready. I'm not there yet. Okay. Well, well Carson's got to be one, of course. Well, well, the obvious one is Carson's number one, right? Um, I would say How I would about say Maddox. Yes. Yeah. That's the I best put him one. In the top oh, he's, four there. he's, this might be another one. Oh, like, Barnett. oh boy. And Derek Barnett. Barnett. So yeah. that's five. Here. It's five. The, all those guys should be the, should be key players for them in the future. Yep. I, I agree. All right. Next question. Probably our last one. Uh, Philly T at Tommy K four fifteen. Do you see Dillard getting any time this season at left guard and, until Peters goes down? No. Do you see Myelata switching over to left guard? Seeing that, why is everybody trying to kick Isaac Sayamalo out of the left guard when he just signed an extension? He's a good player. 
I got no problem with Isaac Sayamalu. He's a he's a guard. I, mean, I think people he, just want to see like this this Dillard or this Mylot. They just want to see him on the field, and I get that. But you don't just kick. Did, a, a didn't good um, left Isaac? Off the field. Did, am I wrong? Was it the Jacksonville game? Did he play tackle? Uh, a couple he, of years ago, he okay, played. Okay, I don't tackle. know why I thought he played last season. Anyway, no, they're no plan. They're they're going to keep it. You know what's been reported out there is true. They're mm-hmm. they're this is the time of year that you do this. Uh, you know, I, my sense had been for a while that Big V was going to get time at guard. I think he'll stay there. That's kind of a more of guesswork on my end, but I think that's probably going to happen. I mean, you kind of see they 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 feel like they're deep and they've got cross training going on. This is the time of year to do it. Yeah, Isaac Samo is going to be your starting left guard unless he gets hurt. Uh, Correct. I don't think they're going to rush guys into positions that they're not accustomed to just to get him on the and field. And when Kelsey retires, he's the center. There you go. All right, that will do it for Inside the Birds, the leading podcast in Eagles Intel. For Adam Kaplan, I'm Jeff Mosher. We want to thank you all for flying with us inside the birds.